thank you so much for joining us here at Quarto Kids Cast. I'm your host, Mel Shewitt, and today I'm joined by guest Jane Wilshire. I can't stress enough, it's really important to get the content and also the tone right to make sure that we're really inclusive and diverse. Written in simple, easy to understand language, this stunning visual encyclopedia is perfect for fact-loving kids and the ideal excuse to bring the family together for some top trivia fun. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jane Wilshire, author of the Encyclopedia of Unbelievable Facts. Hello, I'm Jane Wilshire and I'm the author of the Encyclopedia of Unbelievable Facts. Jane, I'm so excited to talk to you about this book. There's so much packed into it. There are 500 questions, which is pretty incredible. And I feel like my first question for you kind of has to be about what your research process looked like. How did you come up with 500 different questions? Absolutely. Well, first off, it's fantastic to be talking with you today. So um, thank you very much for asking me. Um, And yes, 500 facts. Well, I suppose when I first heard that it was going to be 500 facts, I, I, I sort of knew from experience that, in fact, it was going to be a matter of editing them down rather than searching to find 500, um, because there's just so much information out there. And and I, I knew it's going to be about which facts to keep and which to lose. Um, and I think what was very helpful at the very beginning was I was speaking with the fantastic team at the publishers and um, I got a very clear brief about um, about the, the, the angle and the steer of the information about each of the facts. And so the editor gave me just a couple of facts as a steer and, and they were um, which animal poos in cubes and that's a wombat and who's been on earth longer, a tree or a shark. And, and just to let you know why that was so sort of helpful is because there are loads of facts books out there and this one had to have a very special angle. The facts had to be really yikes, wow and unbelievable. Um, and so it was incredibly helpful to have that sort of upfront so that I'd know what sort of ballpark I'm in. And um, in fact, actually, I hope now is a good time just to mention this, which is that making a children's nonfiction book, it's such a team effort. You know, I, I, I did do the research and I did do the writing, but it, it, it sort of is such a team effort, such a collaboration. There's um, the editor who's so pivotal for, for shaping the ideas and um, Hannah was such a good sounding board all the way through. And there's a very sort of... Um, uh, I don't know, on the spot checking team and, and, a, and a, there's a consultant at the end who makes sure that everything is absolutely word perfect so that we don't get things wrong around the edges. And of course, there's um, the design and the illustration and Louise's artwork is just so fresh. It's it's very noisy and fun and it summons up all sorts of worlds, you know, the atmosphere of being under the sea or up in space. Um, so, so it's great to be talking to you, but there's like a, the back room is massive in making this sort of book. So I'd just like to thank, you know, I'd like to thank the team and just to sort of flag up, you know, their invaluable contribution. Absolutely. I mean, you, you work with an incredible team, which I imagine you kind of have to when you have a book with 500 questions that need to be illustrated, fact-checked, designed, worded correctly. It's like it takes a village. <laughs> it takes a village. It was a juggernaut. It was a real process, actually. And and so Hannah was my editor and she was involved all the way along. And so we cooked up the um, sections. So you, just to go back to the question about how do you wrangle these 500 bytes of information, these, these fantastic questions. And so... Um, so basically, Hannah and I cooked up the, the sections, which was very helpful. So we did that first of all. And then 
I had enormous fun sort of charging at the task. I love research. I mean, one thing leads on to another and it becomes this sort of fantastic sort of exploration and it's quite chaotic. But also, as well as being a children's author, I work in children's publishing. So I've been a publisher and an editor. So I really had to stop myself at the beginning of the process from over editing. I sort of wanted to include everything. I knew that there was going to be lots of stuff out there. So I didn't want to sort of over edit from the first. Um, and so I let myself sort of really go many through many different sorts of avenues. And for example, time. Time is always fascinating. So I'd find one fact about time, such as we sleep for 33 years of our life. You know, if you live up to about 100, 33 years of that, you're going to be asleep. Oh and so then, <laughs> so then, um, so then you, you sort of dig a little bit deeper and, and 92 days, we're going to be going to the bathroom. We're going to go to go to the loo or three and a half years we're eating. It, it's just, you, you find one fact and it just tumbles into another. And, and I was actually looking at my research recently and this is unverified, but we spent 115 days laughing, hopefully, and 235 days in line. So 235 days of our life, we're in a queue. So I'd got this sort of big, baggy, fantastic selection of facts, and then I needed to, to sort them. So I roughly put them into the groups which Hannah and I had cooked up. And then I began to think about all sorts of things at the same time. So the first one was, did the fact pass the yikes, is it unbelievable enough? That, that was the test, basically. Um, and also, I've got two nephews who are roughly the target age for this, and they really did help me out here. So um, I'd ask them my draft questions, and they literally put their thumbs up and their thumbs down as to whether they thought they should be <laughs> in or out. And they were particularly keen on facts about space and farts, by the way. Um, and uh, Joe's facts, the elder one, was how many Earths fit inside the sun, which made the cut. So that's in. Um, so yeah, so there was the sort of the test about were they kid friendly, were they sort of really unbelievable, and also in terms of being kid friendly, I wanted them to have a breadth actually. So some things were new to me, like gold is in is in human hair, which I just find absolutely wonderful, but. There are loads of things which children are going to find new, which I know about. So I, I try to get a real sort of mixture. So we've got gold is in, is in human hair is a fact in the book, but it's also that astronauts go on spacewalks. So I was very aware of, of the, the breadth and the depth of, of fact. Um, I was trying to aim for a variety of topics as well. So for the body, I wanted to cover from top to toe and I tried to look at different areas of science and animals from around the world. Um, so, yes, there was a real um, arranging around. So all of this sort of, you know, processing and, and filtering and curating is going on at the same time. And then something which I really enjoyed was I'd got all of these facts. I now wanted to come up with different questions, different ways of framing the question. So I tried to think about all of the what, how and where, and I became very attached to how many and time, which became a bit of a theme actually. But also I enjoyed throwing in curveballs once in a while. So sometimes fun to ask a question in the negative, which is what can't your body do? And it's um, unlikely that you can t lick your own elbow. <laughs> That's quite a good one. And um, also in this very fact-based book, I included a few riddles because I thought it was just quite fun to encourage kids to think in an open way, especially in this sort of book, which is packed with facts. So there's a question, what is as big as an elephant but weighs nothing? And that's an elephant's shadow. So the actual framing of the questions I found really, really interesting. Did you find that, you know, the subjects came naturally or were there some questions that you wanted to explore that maybe didn't fit into the categories? 
I think I have to say that it's animals, actually. There's just so much choice. I mean, animals is... Um, I don't. It, the, the facts were so surprising. I thought I'd found something absolutely, you know, amazing, and and it couldn't be topped, and it was topped. So to me, it's pretty incredible that a spider has twelve eyes. But even more amazing than that, a scallop has two hundred. <laughs> so a scallop. A scallop has two hundred. So rather than asking about a spider, I sort of said, which animal has the most eyes, a spider or a scallop? And then again, I'd sort of I'd get onto a roll. So I. I realised that most kids, many kids would, would know about sloths that sleep quite a lot. So I just sort of thought, OK, let's try and pack as many animals into a question about sleeping as possible. So it's um, who sleeps more, a sloth, a human baby or a koala? And actually, it's a koala that sleeps for 22 hours and a human baby that sleeps for 16. And the sloth only sleeps for 10. So I was sort of playing with the kids' expectations as well, really keeping them on their toes and trying to make the facts spin, I suppose, trying to ratchet up the fun. So, um, so yes, animals was a really good good section. And so was, we all were, actually. Mindbenders was as well. So, uh, concepts such as colour, time and number, the abstract ones, really made my head sort of bulge, and I, I'm sure they would for kids too. So, um, yeah, all sorts in there. How many peanuts in the jar of peanut butter, do you think? The number of scallop <laughs> eyes, because I'm still stuck on scallop eyes. That's no, we're now on, we're now onto 540, 540 peanuts in the peanuts? jar of peanut butter. And yeah. Is that like a smaller jar of peanut butter? Oh, too tricky, too tricky. I think that's a standard size jar. That's a, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am horrified by how much I sleep and go to the bathroom now. How much I of know. my time is wasted on red, red lights and waiting in line. Looking to stay up to date on everything Quarto Kids has to offer? Sign up to receive our e-newsletters, and we'll stay in touch with upcoming books, creator interviews, educator guides, and more. Sign up to stay in touch at quartonose.com forward slash r forward slash educator newsletter. That's Q-U-A-R-T-O-K-N-O-W-S dot com forward slash r forward slash educator newsletter. You talked about you know, meeting expectations, exceeding expectations, um, twisting people's expectations. Can you talk a little bit about what conscious efforts you made to ensure the book itself was reflective of a wide variety of experiences, culture, gender, class? Well, thank you. And again, it's a team effort. We really did try hard. And as a children's author, it's really, it's particularly important to try to always be inclusive and diverse. And um, I think it's a really exciting time in children's publishing because we're now exploring and showing the stories of so many different kinds of people and ways of living. So um, it's it's a, it's an interesting time. Um, so at the beginning of the process, Hannah and I discussed our aim to have a fun and a really broad range of facts. And some of it hopefully comes a second nature to me. I definitely try to celebrate women's contributions across the board, especially in the advance of science. There are facts about Marie Curie and uh, Ada Lovelace. Um, and also the good and the bad of history with women. You know, the first votes for women in, in, were in New Zealand, remarkably late, although actually not as late as lots of many, but 1893. And also we've got a female pirate. So I was trying to to be very representative and, and really and really show that women have um, and to celebrate women's contribution basically to history, and also for the historical facts, I wanted to include 
um, information not just about leaders and royalty. So there's a fact in there that World War One soldiers peed in their boots to keep them soft. <laughs> um, and also something else which I try to do is once in a while I try to include facts about children because children are reading this book and it's quite good to sort of reflect it back for them to see what's been going on in the past. So in Aztec times, it was compulsory for children to go to school and homework probably started in Roman times. <laughs> so, wow. Um, yeah, exactly. That's Pliny, crazy. Pliny is the one to blame. Apparently he, um, he encouraged his students to rehearse their speeches before coming to class. Um, yeah, so yes, and also all sorts of, we were always very aware and trying to include trailblazing heroes and heroines, Rosa Parks and Nelson Mandela in there, and they tried to help break the mould. And across the board, and this is where, again, Hannah was very helpful, we tried to um, make an international sweep and to cover facts from continents, countries and cultures all over the place. So, and in fact, it's made me want to go travelling again. So, I now I now know that there are chandeliers in the Moscow train in the metro stations and the Great Wall of China is stuck together with sticky rice and lime powder. So, um, you know, we really <laughs> did. <laughs> we really did sort of wander the world. Um, and what I was doing was back to the process here, actually. So I would send in sections to Hannah, at, at, uh, you know, section by section. So she was fantastic because she'd come. At, I would probably be, you know, in the forest rather than in by the trees, whereas Hannah came to all of these facts afresh and she had nudged me to make sure that there was even coverage across the world, especially for the customs and cultures. And in fact, actually, it was a bit funny because towards the end, she kept on saying, you can put in a UK fact if you want to. <laughs> so, so we've got um, there's a, a cheese rolling festival where a big old cheddar is rolled down the hill in Gloucestershire. So. I've heard of that one. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a nudge by Hannah. But yeah, it's really I can't you know I can't stress enough. It's really important to get the content and also the tone right to make sure that we're really inclusive and diverse. And um, and yeah, that, and thanks again to the team for for really helping with that one. Sounds like you did a bang up job. I'm going to ask you the most hard hitting question. Are you ready? Yeah. What answer or what question either surprised you the most of all of the questions that you researched? Oh, you see, I don't know. I'm a bit, you see, I've just become too factoidy. It's very difficult. So <laughs> I, I, I researched the human body section first and the human body is, and I think that's why I, I, quite a lot of those facts have stuck with me. They're just staggering. It's the human body is such an unbelievable machine. And so we are walking around for about an hour and a half a day. We walk around with our eyes closed because that's when we blink, which I just find amazing. And then also the longest bout of hiccups was 68 years. Oh, that would just be the most awful. That would be dreadful. Absolutely yeah. dreadful. Um, what else was there? Um, you see, I can't, you see, I'm impossible now. I can't, I haven't got one favorite. So <laughs> it takes 200 muscles to take one step. So imagine a yoga class. Um, and oh I know enough. <laughs> so there's another one. So time really, I, I'm really grateful to this book actually for waking up this sort of, I don't know, this phenomenal sense of the bendy nature of time. So the Greenland shark can live for over 270 years. I think actually it goes up. I think the experts said it can live up to 500 years. So if my maths is right, a shark swimming around right now was born in the mid 1700s. That's just amazing. And then I thought, actually, you might ask, there was another question which I sort of wondered whether you might ask, which was that what, what might end up on the cutting room floor? Yeah. And 
this this fact actually um, was just I knew from the beginning it was too complicated, but it just was slightly blew my mind, which was how did the ninjas tell the time? They looked at a cat's eyes. So over a day, the shape of the pupils and the cat's eyes became more narrow. I mean, that hasn't been verified. It would need to have been checked if it had gone into the book, and it hasn't. But I presume it's to do with the angle of sunshine and stuff. But isn't that amazing that, that is amazing. ninjas are looking at the sort of pupils of a cat's eyes to tell the time? But in the end, we got a fantastic ninja uh, fact in there, which was that these... Um, in order to leave um, code messages for each other, they, they created patterns in rice dishes in code. So they didn't talk to each other. They just left dishes of rice out and they'd, they'd be able to send secret messages. That's so creative. Apparently all that time that I've spent staring into my cat's eyes has also been wasted. I'm learning a lot today. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to make sure that one's true, actually. But yes, but yes, you'll have to tell the time by looking in your cat's eyes. Very interesting. They're usually closed. They're usually sleeping. Sleeping, exactly, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that you do some other stuff in the field of children's books. I've just started up a small little publishing company. So I make books and I sell those to publishers. But before, I used to run lists. So I've um, I've been the publisher in children's publishing houses. And um, so I worked my way up from the ranks. So I started as an editorial assistant and then became an editor and a commissioning editor. And um, I also do freelance work. So I um, I write books for other people, for other publishers, I'm sorry to say. That's and allowed. I, thank you. Thank you. And I also um, edit books as well. So, yes, I'm an editor. So, yes. Wow. You've, you've got your finger in all the little pies. Yeah, it's a lovely world. I mean, it's very um, – and I sort of do mostly nonfiction, which is – I mean, it's just amazing. It's a, it's a very creative process putting a book together. Working with the team is really sort of thoroughly enjoyable. And you've got this mud pie and over time you trade thoughts and you pool and sometimes you agree and then you disagree and then it all comes together. And um, and it's very visual. I really enjoy that, actually. And um, I mean, I wasn't, you know, I was very much the author on, on the book we're talking about here. But every time the illustrations, the first roughs and then the, the layouts develop for the for the spreads. I mean, it was just fantastic to see Louise's artwork really sort of breathe life into the into the facts. You know, there's such an energy about her work. It's very she's very deft at just like a single expression on a face. It's just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Louise's work. I could not agree more. And if you thought 500 questions was a lot, imagine over 500 illustrations, yes, several illustrations yes. for questions. So, I mean, she yes. just did an amazing job. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Before you and I wrap up our time together, I wanted to ask you one final question for you to share with our listeners. Can you tell us what makes you love a book? What draws you in? What draws me in? Well, oh, I might have to sort of go back to the, yeah to the previous question really well for kids non-fiction I'm going to sound a bit like a hippie actually but it's energy I love it when a children's non-fiction title is full of energy and I I particularly like noisy and arresting energy so it can be humor and a surprise or or you know there are beautiful books out there which are just sort of so lush and lavish but just so long as the book's got this sort of it, it really I don't know wants you to read it and that's a mixture of both the premise the editorial premise and how it's written and the way that the words work but it's very integrated with how the pictures connect so um it's yes it's an energy it's a it's a sort of like a read me read me sort of um call <laughs> which is super useful for nonfiction, which oftentimes you need that sort of added 
energy, the illustration, something else to sort of draw you in. So that yes, completely makes sense. Definitely. And also the cover does that as well. And um, just going back to our book, I think that Louise's um, hand lettering, you know, it's a very, it's very shouty. And I think that there's something very noticeable about it. You know, it's sort of bold and bold and vibrant. So yeah, but both in terms of visual and editorial. So it's good. 100% agreed. (laughs) Great. Thank you so much, Jane. This has been such a pleasure. It's been great. Thank you very much indeed. so much for listening to our chat with Jane Wilshire. The Encyclopedia of Unbelievable Facts is available online and in bookstores and libraries worldwide. We'd love to see you subscribe to Quarto Kids Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find all available episodes at anchor.fm slash Quarto Kids Cast. And hey, if you're enjoying Quarto Kids Cast, we'd be grateful if you left a review so others can hear about it too. Special thanks to Scott Holmes for our theme music, Steve Roth for his promotional vocal stylings, Jane Wilshire for stopping by to talk to us, and of course, you, the listener, for tuning in. Until next time.